here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hi, Bill Cunningham, the great American, once again in for the great one, and uh, Mark Levin will be back on Monday. It's not him. He's got a family member having some medical issues. And those issues need to be resolved because Mark Levin's a great American and a great uh, family member. And the family member having medical issues demands uh, Mark Levin's attention. He'll be back with you on Monday. And until then, as you, me, and the American people, I want to thank, of course, the uh, production crew of Mark Levin, the greatest in the business, Rich Cementa and Rick uh, Valdez for what they're doing for me tonight. Makes it easy, makes it simple, so many stuff going on. There's a possibility down the road... Maybe in about an hour and a half, there could be a very special guest joining us because uh, we've developed a bit, a bit of a friendship. He might be the most important person in America, if not the world. He may be joining us about 7.30 tonight. We'll see how that develops. But first of all, I'm trying to watch CNN, the Clinton News Network, the last several hours, and I'm suffering from projectile vomiting, and then explosive diarrhea, and I bleed from my eyeballs thinking, what the hell am I watching here? Did, did Jared Kushner and the president himself decapitate and kill Jamal Khashoggi, did somehow, did we, did the American people have something to do with the apparent murder of a journalist who's a Saudi Arabian citizen who finds himself in uh, in Turkey in their consulate, and somehow, I think objective evidence will show that he was brutally murdered and that somehow America is necessarily involved. Somehow we did it, that we're responsible. How's that possible? From my way of thinking... It's not good when someone gets killed. It wasn't good when Kate Steinle was killed. It's not a good thing when hundreds of Americans are killed every year through the actions of illegal aliens inside of America. It's not good when six or seven hundred Chicago Southside residents are murdered every year, six or seven hundred murdered and maybe four thousand shot. You know, it's really a bad thing when a half a million Syrians are barrel bombed by uh, by Assad who was called by Hillary Clinton at one point a patriot. None of those things are good. And I'm not saying what happened to uh, Khashoggi is good. I'm telling you right now it was awful. There's a report this afternoon out of Turkey that uh, as the event was going on, that, quote, his fingers were cut off in a gruesome fashion, and he was decapitated at the consulate as his fiancée waited outside. Terrible. Awful. Let's face it. Saudi Arabia is one of the best countries in the Middle East, one of our best friends, but it is an awful place to live, especially if you're a woman or a dissident. It is common in Saudi Arabia for a woman who is wearing certain Western attire to be beaten half to death on the streets. It is quite common if you uh, tweet in Saudi Arabia something negative about the leaders of that great country that uh, you're going to be put in prison for months or years until you repent. It is quite common to uh, be hanged by the neck until you're dead or going through a firing squad for de minimis behaviors inside Saudi Arabia. And that's still one of the best countries in the Middle East compared to Iran, compared to Syria, compared to Iraq. It's one one of the best places to be. And they're our friend and not necessarily our enemy. But assuming these terrible things happen to good people, assuming Jamal Khashoggi was really a great guy and he was brutally murdered, had his fingers uh, sawed off, and he was decapitated. According to media accounts, that's what happened to him. 
quote, cut off Khashoggi's fingers and then decapitated him. Terrible. Those responsible, I imagine, will be held to account. But it happened in a consulate, which, as you and I know, is Saudi Arabian territory. So this, it appears the Saudi Arabians killed a Saudi Arabian on Saudi Arabian territory, then probably took his body away in a van or put it in acid or something. This is terrible. It's awful. Kind of like when Kate Steinle was gunned down by some illegal alien. But for the last week or 10 days, the media is in overdrive to blame Trump or Jared Kushner or some relationship. They're saying somehow we did it, that we're responsible, that Trump somehow with uh, with uh, Mohammed bin Salman, so-called MBS, that MBS is somehow consulting with Trump to decide what to do ahead of time, which is a bunch of crap. Nobody's in favor of this. We have a Western mind, a Judeo-Christian ethic. We believe in due process, at least Republicans do. So we believe in fairness. And, and so whatever happened to a Saudi Arabian by the Saudi Arabian government in a Saudi Arabian consulate in Turkey is interesting. But hell, we got 10,000 murders in this country every year not being investigated by CNN or obsessing by the New York Times or the Washington Post, where he worked as a contributor. Can, can we let it go a little bit and see what happened? And when it comes out that the MBS, directly or indirectly, had Khashoggi murdered in a horrible way because he was a dissident in a totalitarian, awful regime in Saudi Arabia, that's what's going to come out. I guess Trump's responsible for that, too. It never stops. It never ends. I can't take it anymore. It's awful. And so can we move on from that? The answer, of course, is no. This is the uh, the event du jour, the event this week and next week. They keep coming up, whether it's Kavanaugh or Julie Swetnick or Deborah Ramirez or a uh, bunch of other incidents that have arisen the past several months. It's Trump, 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 Trump. How can we use this event? How can we take Christina Ford? How can we use this event that didn't involve Trump at all and somehow wash this upon him? and stain or smear him with some news event that Trump had nothing to do with doing. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Didn't happen. How's that possible? But it goes on and on. I I tried to watch for hours. Wolf Blitzer and others on CNN, it's impossible to watch. As if MBS is on speed dial with Kushner and Trump taking orders. Assuming he did it. What does that mean? What might be behind it is this. There are many in this country and in the media who thinks the Iranian deal was wonderful for our country and that Barack Hussein Obama, who delivered $1.8 billion in cash on governmental pallets to be used for terrorism by Iran, man, that was a great idea. We ought to do more of that. And so because Saudi Arabia is the pitched enemy of Iran, maybe those in the media wants to get back to the Iranian deal and weaken Saudi Arabia in the Middle East so that Iran takes over larger chunks of the Middle East, Iraq and Syria not being enough. Maybe that's what's behind it. Plus, as you may know, if you've been paying attention, Israel and Saudi Arabia have become brothers. They've become sisters. They've become friendly with each other because their enemy is Iran. The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so because Israel and Iran are enemies, and because Saudi Arabia and Iran are enemies. Now, Israel and Saudi Arabia are working together in lots of areas. 
So there may be parts of America that wants to get rid of that uh, that budding friendship between Israel and Saudi Arabia by weakening the Saudis. But whatever it is, we don't have a dog in this fight. You may want to strengthen Iran, the media does, or weaken Israel, which the media does. But by doing that, we're hurting our country. After 9-11, which I think 15 of the 19 hijackers came from Saudi Arabia, we got a little sideways with Saudi Arabia for a while. But now we're back together, and they're spending, I think the president said the other day, something in the range of $110 billion, with a total cost of $500 billion uh, of taking our military hardware to upgrade their military to fight Iran, who's our enemy. They've been our enemy since, since we helped get rid of the Shah of Iran. Look what happened there. And so whatever happened, happened. It occurred. Let the Saudi Arabians deal with it. If the government ordered the killing of someone, which, by the way, America itself has done on a regular basis, countries do these kinds of things. If Saudi Arabian government decided to murder Jamal Khashoggi and stupidly they decide to pick a consulate in Turkey to do the dastardly deed. And if that's a violation of some criminal law somewhere to the Turks or to the Assads, you know what I say? Have at it. But according to diplomatic law, the consulate is really Saudi Arabian territory. And so what happened there stays in Saudi Arabia. So whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. Can we move on? Absolutely not. You see, the midterms are now only about, what, 20 days away. 20 days from now, the midterms. And so things are heading toward the Republican way in many states, especially in Arizona, Nevada, and uh, Montana. The president is going to make a great appearance there. North Dakota, height camp, did a lousy thing with the, disclosing the names of sexual assault victims. So the red wave appears to be building in the Senate, and that was the big news story. So the last several days, the news media said, wait a minute, this thing is heading toward the Republicans to help Trump. We can't have that. So they started this other thing about Jamal Khashoggi, who was killed in Turkey, and he's a Saudi. Now, as we speak the last uh, several days, there have been hundreds of Americans who have been killed, a few dozen by illegal aliens. There was a horde of some two or 3,000 Central Americans making their way up to America, paying their passage to MS-13, with uh, girls being raped and men being killed. It's happening right now. And so there's other news stories going on in the world and because it was kind of going toward Trump's direction and his Rasmussen approval rating was up to 51 percent, the media might have said, you know what, this is going the wrong direction. If we can go after somehow the sods and you and in their place, put Jared Kushner and Trump somehow responsible for the murder of Khashoggi, maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe we can stop the building red wave in the Senate. What's going to happen in the House? I have no idea. So. So let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, which it never does, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And uh, Mark Levin will be, back, will be back with you on Monday. He's dealing with a family member who's quite ill. He'll be back on Monday. So let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Let's continue now. Mark Levin back on Monday. 
God willing and the crick don't rise. We have Keith and Israel, many others calling. A couple lines open if you call now. Line them up. I'm going to knock them down like pins in a bowling alley tonight. 877-381-3811. couple last thoughts before I turn things over to you. The uh, Pope, Francis, is uh, walks in the shoes of the fisherman. I'm a practicing Roman Catholic. I uh, believe that he is a... Uh, He's a reflection of God himself, despite all the foibles and problems of the Roman Catholic Church, of which he might have some. But it disturbed me greatly this afternoon when I learned that Pope Francis has huddled with film director Michael Moore during his weekly general audience in uh, St. Patrick's uh, Square. Now, I don't know the Pope who doesn't read current events, doesn't read newspapers. Maybe didn't know who Michael Moore was. And Michael Moore simply worked his way to the front and huddled with the Pope as if he was having a meeting with him. Michael Moore is a left-wing radical extremist. He's a uh, contributor to Planned Parenthood that kills about 3,000 developing babies every day. He's a uh, certainly an individual that uh, does not reflect American values, hard work, perseverance, fear of God, love of country. So if the Pope knowingly and wittingly met with Michael Moore, I got a problem with that because especially his abortion feelings. But nonetheless, until I find out if the Pope knew who he was, it's hard to criticize him. And secondly and lastly, big fight a couple weeks ago with Kavanaugh is largely over. But I did some statistical work on what was won with uh, Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, and what lies ahead. The Supreme Court, which I've not had the honor yet of appearing before, takes about 80 cases a year. And the nation's highest court decides another 50 cases without oral arguments generally unanimously. And they normally take cases where there's a conflict between the 13 circuits. That is, if the second circuit has a conflict with the sixth or the ninth with the seventh, they'll take a case to resolve a conflict. But just keep in your mind, 80 cases a year they take for oral arguments. 80 cases a year. By contrast, the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals handled 51,832 cases in a 12-month period. 51,832 compared to 80. So if you throw on top of that the millions of cases in the lower district courts, you're talking about maybe a million cases below the U.S. Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court handles 80 cases. So whether it's the hot-button issues of immigration or gun control or, or crime, abortion, whatever it might be, the, the gr- 99.999% of those cases are decided at the circuit or district court level. 99 above 9999%. So to break it down even further, there's 13 U.S. Circuit Courts of Appeals. Of the 13, eight are controlled by Democratic-appointed judges, only four by Republican, one district is split. And so the most important one is the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, which is the one Brett Kavanaugh came off of. The Democratic appointees there have a 7-3 majority. 7-3. One vacancy is now available, but that's going to be one of the three. So it's going to stay 7-3. So 99.99% of the federal cases are resolved before the Supreme Court level. And of those, about 70% are controlled by democratically appointed judges. So before you get too fired up about Brett Kavanaugh, I want you to hold those figures in your mind. Supreme Court takes 80 cases. The U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals handled 52,000 cases. District courts, about a million. And so the great majority of the action 
is well below the U.S. Supreme Court, even with Brett Kavanaugh there. The only hope we have as normal, God-fearing Americans is for Trump to be in office another six years. And if he stays in office six more years with the Republican Senate for all six years, he may get as high as 50% of those appointed by Republican judges. So that is the mountain ahead of us. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. So what I'm saying is, if 99.999% of the cases never get to U.S. Supreme Court, and those that do generally deal with the conflicts, whether Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch are there or not, it's certainly a great thing. Encourage more of it. But it would take years and years of Republicans controlling the Senate and Trump controlling the White House or Pence after Trump to make any dent in the fact that about 70 percent of the federal judges are appointed by Democrats and only about 30 percent by the Republicans. And the reason is the last two or three years of Bush 43, Chuck Schumer refused to do anything in the Senate. He shut it down completely. And should two weeks from Tuesday... The Democrats win the U.S. Senate, which appears to be uphill at this point. But should that happen, he's going to shut it down again. And there won't be any appointments for the last two years of uh, Trump's first term in office. I said first term. Well, let's continue with more. The line becomes available. We have two lines open if you call now. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American and for the great one, Mark Levin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. They can clone the others, but there's only one Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. We have Keith and Chris and Josh and many others. Two lines are open. If you know the number, if you desire to join us, 877-381-3811. Lastly, before I go to you, I keep babbling, but that's good. Look at it this way. 20 days from now. And uh, I met with the president two or three days ago. We're going to share with you some of his thoughts later on that uh, it appears to me that the number one issue right now is the court system, as I just told you. Seventy percent of the judges are appointed by Democrats. Great majority of the cases, ninety nine point nine nine percent never get the U.S. Supreme Court. And so if in 20 days the Senate flips to the Democratic Party, Chuck Schumer will hold back and not confirm any any of the White House's judicial nominees through 2020, which really is January of 2021. And then at that point, if Trump is reelected, which most of us believe he will, 
And if the Senate stays Democratic, it's not going to be 2021. It'll be 2023. He will not stop. They will not nominate. Uh, he can nominate, but they will not confirm one judge. So what's on the ballot in 20 days is the court system and whether the destruction of our constitutional several more rights and traditional values will continue or else we can make the turn somehow back to the middle. Secondly, all the investigations. If the House becomes Democratic, which is appears to be very likely, the investigations of every aspect of Trump's life, his wife's life, Jared Kushner's life, everyone's life in the White House will be laid bare. And the next two years will not be about legislation, but rather investigation. So if you want the mob rule that you've seen the past several months, where Republicans are shot, run off the street, cars blown up and beaten, that incentivize the mob by giving the mob power by putting the House back in charge of Nancy Pelosi and watch what happens. It's going to be unbridled. It's going to be unbelievable. Another aspect, of course, is foreign policy. Right now, despite the efforts of CNN and others to destroy our relationship with the Sods, things are pretty good. North Korea is not shooting missiles anywhere. Right now, Iran and Iraq are somewhat quiet. Right now, Syria is heading toward a conclusion of that horrible war incentivized by the Russians, by the Iranians, and by Barack Hussein Obama, who allowed the Russians and the Iranians to come into Syria. Foreign policy-wise, things are pretty good. That's on the ballot. The economy. According to some national and international experts, the American economy right now is the greatest it's ever been in American history. How would the stock market react if Nancy Pelosi begins investigations of every aspect of the executive branch of government? It won't be good. Plus, you got the impeachment issue. Is there any doubt in your mind that the Democrats want to eliminate Trump from office? So if you want the next two years not to be about judges, not to be about uh, and only about investigations and impeachment and to hurt the economy, then that's what's on the ballot. So when Trump comes to one of these states and he came to Cincinnati a few days ago, I spent some time with him. I'm going to play you some of his thoughts later on. If that happens, go there. Just don't talk, which is all we do. Go there physically and confront and say, yes, I am here as as testimony to what this country can be and should be. Do I like all the tweets? Do I like the horsehead comment about the stripper? No. But the policies, the procedures, what's happening with the court system, what's happening with the economy, what's happening with foreign relations, you know, is damn good. It's really good. And so think about what's on the ballot in 20 days because the Democrats are as incentivized as they've ever been. And it's going to get more ridiculous. They're going to get more incentivized. And if you incentivize the mob by buying them off or paying them off, there's going to be nothing but difficulties. So let's go to your calls now. We have uh, Keith in Los Angeles and Chris in Atlanta. If a line becomes available, you know the routine. Let's continue with more. Keith in Los Angeles, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by the great American Bill Cunningham. Please go ahead. Hey, Bill, thank you for taking my call. You asked the question if the U.S. is complicit with the Jamal Khashoggi um, murder. I would say 200% yes. And reason why I'm saying that, because I've been looking at Al Jazeera English, and they've been reporting from day one that U.S. intels, I don't know if it's the deep state, but they leaked that they had conversations with the Saudi prince and his entourage trying to arrange to kidnap this guy. 
So, and if you look at recently, um, John Brennan, the last past two days with NBC, he confirmed that through his CIA operatives. So I think, um, yeah, we are complicit. Even though we didn't have involvement in the murder, we did not warn him. And that's what a big issue. And the final point is... Now, hold on, Keith, on that point. Do you believe Al Jazeera any more than you believe CBS? Why, why, why do you rely upon Al Jazeera, which is an arm of the extreme Muslim Palestinian Authority? Why do you believe Al Jazeera out of Qatar? Why do you believe them? I wouldn't believe one word they said. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but when they're right there at the embassy for 24-7, even if they don't say nothing, you see the factual information. All they're doing is reporting the factual information with boots on the ground. So I don't have no haterism against them because they're there when the 15-member crew flew in. They're there when the 15-member crew flew out. You cannot deny what you see with your own eyes. And my final point. Well, you know, hold on, Keith. Assuming those things happen. And, and I certainly accept they're true. Isn't that not nearly as bad as a few hundred Americans killed every year by illegal aliens? How come we're focusing on that awful murder and not what's happening inside of our own country? Because reason why we're focusing on it, because President Trump, which I voted for, he's playing it down. He's trying to change the narrative. Of course. Of course. Isn't it, isn't it a coincidence that when um, Senator Pompeo just landed... Several reports just came out that the Saudis finally made that deposit on that $100 million worth of weapons that they ordered from President Trump. That's great. Put a lot of people to work. Hey, Keith, Keith, there's 10,000 Americans killed every year inside of America. Do you care about any of them? Let's investigate Kate Steinle. Let's investigate about 700 murders in the south side of Chicago not solved. How about investigating those murders? But they don't fit the political diatribe against Trump, right? No, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. That's that's the corruption of the media. We we investigate some, but not the other. Just like some officers that just got killed about an hour ago in Kurdish fighting um, ISIS. We're not reporting that in the U.S. media. So I'm totally on 150 percent on your side. We just need to get. Let's investigate that. How come a murder of a sod citizen in Turkey is such a big deal here? Why? Because we've been complicit with them. We're not complicit. We're not complicit with crap. We're not complicit with anything. Come on, man. Come on. We're not complicit. Are you one of those characters? Whatever bad happens in the world, America is complicit. What the hell does that mean, complicit? What does that mean? How stupid was it for the sods to kill him in that fashion, almost on videotape? That was stupid. That was real stupid, and I hope we're not stupid. But even if it happened the way we think it happened, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn compared to what's happening in this country every year. How many cops are killed? 200 cops are murdered every year in this country. Does CNN go into the murder of police officers and why that's a horrible thing? How come CNN will not cover the murder of cops, but they're covering some sod citizen in Turkey? Why? I totally agree with you. Just like we have 375,000 abortions every year. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. No big deal. But they're just using this as a cudgel to beat Trump in the head with as if we care. And I don't care compared to the murder of cops, the murder of the innocents, 10,000 murders, Kate Steinle, hundreds of Americans killed by illegal aliens, rapes and robberies. How about investigating those things? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And in fact, we won't still investigate how the Saudis is blowing up innocent children and this week just blew up a bus with U.S. made weapons. See, we're not going to investigate that. So we're complicit. You, you mean in Yemen? 
Yeah, and yeah, man, another bus just got killed. This got blew up by U.S. weapons with Saudi Arabia after they did the Kosogi murder. Now, wait a minute, Keith. That? Are you saying we're complicit in that, too, because we sold a weapon to somebody? Is Smith & Wesson complicit if one of their weapons kills somebody? If we're bombing the... If Saudi we're not Arabia bombing, bombing them. The poorest, if Saudi Arabia is bombing the poorest country in the Middle East with U.S. weapons... Yes, we're not complicit in any of that. Is Beretta complicit if one of their weapons is used to wrongfully kill somebody? Is Beretta complicit? For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, Keith, you're out of here. Thanks for your call. Hope the Dodgers lose this afternoon. Well, let's continue with more. We have, let's go to Chris in Atlanta, Georgia. Chris in Atlanta, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. And Chris, please go ahead. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great day to be an American. Please go ahead. Amen to that. So just a quick question. You, you had mentioned earlier about, um, I, I, don't, I, I can't paraphrase what you said about the Pope, specifically about him being um, the head of Christ or what have you on earth. Uh, but you said you'd have a problem with him meeting with Michael Moore. If he Hell yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, just just out of curiosity, all right, let me, I'm just, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate with this. So, because um, I have an issue with it too. But um, if, if we believe, because I'm, I'm Catholic, so I believe him being the vicar of Christ just as Christ met with with sinners, um, what, what what is your what is your what is your take? Well, on that? I, I agree with that too, Chris. But the difficulty is, I don't think Michael Moore went there to get the Pope on video talking to him as if he was a sinner wanting to be confessing to and receiving grace from the Pope. I think Michael Moore went there as a stooge to capture the Pope in a moment that he could use for his own political purposes against Trump. And if Michael Moore has had some catharsis, like Paul on the road to uh, Damascus, and said, okay, I've seen the error of my waves. I've seen the damage I've caused to police officers and American soldiers. I see the damages caused by 3,000 innocent babies killed every day in this country, and I'm going to the Pope for forgiveness for what I've done. I'm with you. But I think Michael Moore probably went there with the Pope today in order to get a photo op to use politically against him. That's what I think. No, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you um, with that, too. Now, just out of curiosity, do you, do you not feel that um, maybe he already knows who Michael Moore is? Maybe yeah. that's part of his, his personal agenda, um, well, uh, from, you know, his background? Um, well, you know, Chris, the Pope has given interviews in which he says he does not read newspapers. He does not watch television. And he came from Argentina, now in Rome. And we like to think uh, in America, we're the only country that matters. But I guess if you spend your life in Argentina, Brazil, and Central Amer- South America, and now you live in Rome, you probably, and don't read newspapers or watch TV, how in the hell would you know who Michael Moore is? And so, uh, you know, I-, I guess I could work my way to the front of the line and get a picture with the Pope. But I, I-, I would like to think that Michael Moore is not one of those characters the Pope would be familiar with. And if he was, I would hope Michael Moore was there to confess, to confess his many sins. Sure, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I think the Pope knows more um, of, about people than maybe, maybe we give, give him credit for. But um, mm. I just because I, 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 there, there's a little bit about him that, that strikes me as odd, and um, you know, I like to be supportive of of, of the Pope, uh, being a follower um, of, of Catholicism. However, there's there are there are a lot of things that that really strike me odd about him, and this, this to me is not it's not surprising with with. He has a leftist agenda. I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly No question. Obvious. No question. He's, he's not the last pope. Uh, he's not Benedict. He's Francis, and he's a socialist. He's left-winger. And, uh, and this whole uh, priestly scandal is something 
that uh, I hope he's not up to his eyeballs in it from uh, South America, and I hope he's clean. But uh, what he did with McCarron, what he did with World, didn't excite me too much. And um, and I, I just hope there's no there there. Well, Chris, we got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's continue now. Calls from Texas, Virginia, New York coming up in about 45 minutes. I spent some time with the president when he was in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I broadcast from a couple days ago, and I'm going to share his thoughts with you coming up in about 45 minutes or so. 48 minutes after the hour, Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Mark Levin, back on Monday, has a uh, family medical issue that's being wrapped up this week. He'll be back with you on Monday. By the way, Mark Levin's dad, Jack Levin, say the name Jack Levin, has a book coming out on October the 30th through Amazon, Our Police, which is a fabulous children's book. It's available now on Amazon, 30% off. Name of the book, once again, is Our Police by Jack Levin, Mark's dad. And uh, pre-order it now, save up to 30%. You talk about police and the way they're treated. Well, what if CNN and the national media went into the killing of police officers all over the country by individuals that have not been solved, of which there are many, not solved? And what if they spent the time they're spending on Khashoggi in uh, Istanbul finding out who killed police officers when the murders have not been resolved, including one in Bardstown, Kentucky, with a police officer who was killed about two o'clock in the morning, and they're looking for his murderer. He was pulling off a highway at night, two o'clock in the morning, a wife and two kids, and someone had uh, put a uh, limb across the exit ramp on Interstate Highway, so a police officer would stop. He stopped, got out, put his lights on, pulled the limb away, and was shot several times in the back. And it's dead. There are numerous killings of police officers in America, as I speak, unresolved. And if you think every life is the same, which I think in God's eyes it might be, 90% of the murders on the south side of Chicago go unsolved. What if CNN, instead of caring about Khashoggi so much, found its way to the south side of Chicago to discover why there's about 4,000 people shot and 700 murdered every year under the leadership of one of the dailies or Rahm Emanuel or Barack Hussein Obama or Michelle Obama or Jesse Jackson or Louis Farrakhan? What if they would cover murders in Chicago or the murder of Kate Steinle or the murder of police officers unsolved with the same level of interest that they care about a Saudi citizen murdered seemingly by the Saudi government in, in a consulate in Turkey? What is it about this event which suddenly the entire media is in meltdown? Is it possibly trying to tie Trump to the murder? Is that what you had a, we had a caller earlier today that Al Jazeera, now there's a reliable news source, says the U.S. intelligence agencies knew about uh, the killing to take place ahead of time and didn't stop it. Isn't that a nice thing to say? I hope we didn't know about it. I hope that we knew nothing. And that uh, if he was decapitated or put in acid or tortured for seven minutes, that's awful. It's bad. Those responsible should be held to account by Saudi Arabians or by Turks. How are we involved? Why is the media trying to pin this on Jared Kushner? How come some murders are created more equal than others? Kate Steinle, 
the person, the illegal alien that killed her, got off with basically nothing. Does CNN cover that story to the extent that a murder goes by without punishment? How many hundreds of American citizens are murdered every year by illegal aliens? Can we have some coverage of that, or do I get nothing but crickets from the mainstream media? It just seems to me like some murders are more creative equal than other murders. And uh, you didn't know him, I didn't know him. Jamal Khashoggi seemed like a nice guy, had a wife and some good kids, should not have been murdered, along with a half a million Syrians murdered by the Iranians and the Russians, and and by uh, uh, Assad, who was praised by Hillary Clinton. It's all bad. But how come some murders have this kind of uh, media attention and others do not? Let's continue with your calls. As we do, we're going to go to uh, Josh and Kim and John and J.D. and Lee and many others. If a line ever becomes available, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American. And for the great one, Mark Levin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. He'll be back on Monday. He's got a family uh, medical issue he's dealing with this week, and uh, he'll be back on Monday. Before I go to Josh and Alexandria, I want to plant this seed in your head and see if it sprouts. You know, the Democratic Party's been telling us, the liberal progressives, the socialists have been telling us for decades, give us complete power and you will see a complete renaissance of the lives of individuals living under our domain. So they keep saying every two years, every four years, give us, give us the reins of power, give us the presidency, give us the House, the Senate, give us the Supreme Court. Well, there are several laboratories of democracy that have been fully engaged for the past, not few years, but few decades, running north of a half a century. I'm talking about almost every major city in this country controlled by the Democrat Party, for as long as the eye can see, especially in Chicago, the south side of Chicago, controlled by the Dailies, by uh, Mayor Washington, Harold Washington, controlled by uh, Rahm Emanuel, and God knows who's next. And over that time, going back to the 1950s, 
You can't find a Republican with a searchlight and a search warrant. They don't exist. In fact, if you're a Republican in Chicago, your garbage doesn't get picked up. Your electricity gets turned off. Now, the HVAC suddenly stops working. Just You don't get paper deliveries. You get nothing. You're done. So everyone in South Side of Chicago, especially, are all Democrats. Now, also, we elected from there. United States president. We elected 44. We elected Barack Hussein Obama, who spent most of his adult life in Chicago. On the South Side is, quote, a community organizer organizing the community on the south side of Chicago with his wife, Michelle. Coming out of there was also Rahm Emanuel, the chief of staff, Arne Duncan, secretary of education. Boy, they had all these theories because they had practiced so well in Chicago. If you go to the south side of Chicago where like a half million people live, you cannot think more of a hellhole than the south side of Chicago. How much job creation exists in the south side of Chicago? Right under the leadership of the Democratic Party, of Harold Washington and uh, William Daly, Richard Daly, Barack Hussein Obama, Michelle Obama, Arne Duncan, Rahm Emanuel, Jesse Jackson, throw in Louis Farrakhan. There it is. There is no argument with anyone in Chicago about which political party controls Chicago, especially the South Side. And the South Side of Chicago, where I've been many times, there's little or no job creation. There's little or no education going on. The crime is rampant. Family formation is non-existent. Can you smell what I'm cooking? So if these theories of government control of your life and funding bad behavior actually worked, you would see Memphis. You would see Los Angeles. You would see San Francisco. You would see Tampa and Cincinnati and Chicago and all the other great cities, Philadelphia especially in the black communities in those areas, flourishing. And Frank Walter Williams tells the story of the great African-American columnist from George Mason, that he was a grade school and a high school kid in Philadelphia, that uh, many of his students, many of his classmates went to college. They were reading at and above the grade level. Uh, his family didn't have keys to the front door. People came in and out. There were black lawyers and black doctors and black pharmacists and black business leaders, black insurance men, all over the place, functioning black communities, generally controlled by the Republican Party, because the, de- the, the Republican Party was the home of African-Americans from the 1860s through the 1930s and beyond. It was functional. And so what if CNN spent its time saying, OK, we're going to go to an area that's been completely controlled by the Democrat Party? for uh, at least a half a half a century and see how those theories are working out to see if it's occurring to see if crime is non-existent to see if job creation is happening everywhere to see if educationally the children are exceeding at and above their their grade level to see if families are being formed to see if families wanting to move in you want to move into those communities and we want to see if there's moving trucks bringing in new families in the south side of Chicago and in the barrios of Memphis and Tampa and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Amarillo, Texas. We want to go to the poorest areas where the Democrats have been in charge the longest to see how successful their theories have been. I'm waiting for CNN to do that. Why haven't they done that? Everything's Trump, 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 Trump. What about the lives of average Americans? 
according to the according to the Department of Education, about half the black kids, the poor kids who go to an inner city school don't graduate. They give it up along the route. And the half that do graduate, the best academically read on average at the eighth grade level with all the money being spent in Washington, D.C., good chunk don't graduate 20 to 30 percent. Don't even go to school any particular day. The vagrancy rates are through the roof. And the reason is not race, because most poor people in America mathematically are white. The reason it happens is a lack of family formation, lack of job opportunities, rampant crime because of drugs. And the Democrats have been. When was the last time there was a Republican in charge of Washington, D.C. and the city council or the mayor? When was the last time there was a Republican who was the mayor of Chicago? When's the last time any of this stuff went on? The answer is decades up to a half a century. It doesn't happen. So if these theories of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are operational and they actually work, we would see a completely different result, wouldn't we? Let's continue now. Let's go to uh, Josh in Alexandria. Josh in Alexandria, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. And Josh, please go ahead. Hey, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yes, sir. I, I wanted to ask, since when did the left start to want us to meddle in other countries' businesses? I mean, this guy, it's horrible what happened, but he's a Saudi Arabian citizen. It happened in a Saudi Arabian uh, embassy in Turkey. And <laughs> last, last time I checked, they spent a decade saying, oh, why are we involved in Iraq when, Get out. Uh, with, all the, with all the war crimes with, with I, Iraq and, and uh, Saddam Hussein? And now they want us to start meddling it just because they think they can tie Trump to it. I mean, it's just crazy to me. What what can we what what should be the reaction? I guess October the second, uh, Jamal Khashoggi was killed in a horrible way. But in America, there are cops killed. There's American citizens murdered by illegal aliens. There's horrible domestic violence happening. There's crimes happening tonight. Some were terrible, not solved. Why does CNN want to use that crime 8,000 miles away as a cudgel against Trump? What's the reason? Uh, I mean, personally, I think it's because it's A, a horrible story, and B, Trump is winning on all fronts right now, and they are desperate to find a way to to bring him down. And this is just one little thing they're going to try to throw at him, but I personally don't think it's going to work. Um, But... It's uh, they're just desperate for anything to try to try to bring him down and, and tie him up in the to fishy business. But this thing, what is there about this thing? What Khashoggi? I guess he wrote some columns to the Washington Post. He had a green card, but he's a Saudi Arabian citizen killed in Turkey. I guess on Saudi Arabian territory, and yet, and yet, what? Uh, it's it's what? I mean, uh, so, all right, interesting. When uh, when Ramos and Lou were murdered in New York City in cold blood by a black nationalist who came from Baltimore to specifically kill in uniform, in their car, police officers in New York City. That was like a one-day story nationally, and then it evaporated. It died because it didn't fit the agenda of the liberal national media. Can you imagine if some Trump-wearing MAGA hat had hunted down somebody to kill somewhere? How big would that be a story? How long would that have gone on? Oh, it would have been the top story for weeks. And I think you brought, bring up a good point. Who do you think the left is wanting to defend quicker, a, a journalist, a, one of their own, or a, a police officer? And that's not to say that all the people who are mad about this don't like police officers, but they're going to be much quicker to 
rush to the case of of one of their own who works at the Washington Post rather than uh, some of our of our um, police officers. Isn't that apparent? I mean, wh- wh- why do we spend? I mean, t- I haven't seen it tonight. I refuse to watch it. I imagine right now it's the biggest story on CNN, MSNBC. All it is is about Khashoggi. Khashoggi. What did Jared Kushner knew? Who knew MBS better? Was it Kushner or was it or, or was it Trump? And did Saad spend money in one of Trump properties at some point? They keep making these connections. You know what I care about is the murder of Ramos and Lou and what that said about Barack Hussein Obama meeting in the White House with representatives of Black Lives Matter who advocated the murder of police officers. And when BLM got what they wanted, what do we want dead cops? What do we want them now? And Ramos and Lou were butchered and killed. That was a one-day story, and the media quickly dropped it because of who did it. When Officer Jason Ellis was murdered in Bardstown, Kentucky, ambush killing, we don't know who did it. And at this point... Why doesn't the media spend time instead of Khashoggi in Turkey, take up the calling of a police officer who was butchered and murdered in uniform and spend time as to who killed him and why he was murdered? Ramos and Lou was killed, according to this black nationalist. He said that he wanted to come and kill police officers because of what cops had done to Michael Brown and Eric Garner. And so the media covered those stories as if cops killed wrongfully michael brown and ferguson which they did not do michael brown tried to kill uh the police officer darren wilson and it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt by obama's justice department that michael brown should have been killed because of his behavior and eric gardner killed was killed he died because he was resisting arrest and so but when the media covered these events there was a sick mind in baltimore who thought police officers were at fault because of the way cnn covered the killing of michael brown who was an unarmed robber who tried to kill police officer darren wilson and grab his gun inside the police car and that was proven that was proven but the media covered these events in such a way that caused this black murder nationalist to hunt down ramos and lou new york city and murder them why didn't CNN cover that aspect of the story and the fact that Obama in the White House repeatedly met with representatives of Black Lives Matter that advocated the murder of cops who were killed in Dallas and Baton Rouge? Why didn't CNN cover it that way? Uh, because it doesn't fit their narrative. Um, and they, they can think that's it. It doesn't fit their narrative. It doesn't. In other words, they can't use that as a weapon against uh, either John Boehner or George Bush or Ronald Reagan, or now it's, now it's Donald Trump. See, the media ought to call balls and strikes. But instead of doing that, they take sides in a dispute and ignore all this other evidence that doesn't fit their agenda. Then they go after the obscure fact of some sod being killed in Turkey, which they can use as a club against Jared Kushner because sods have invested in real estate ventures of Trump years ago. And they spend money at the hotel next to the White House. So they keep looking for reasons to tie Trump to the murder. And it sickens me. Josh, thank you for your call. Let's continue with more. We have uh, Kim and John and J.D. and Tom. Uh, a couple of days ago, I met with the president, and uh, he uh, gave me some cogent thoughts I'm going to share with you in about 15 minutes. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin.
Cunningham, the great American in for Mark Levin. Coming up in several minutes will be my talk with the president, Donald J. Trump. Just to give CNN, MSNBC perspective on this, on July 7, 2016, Micah Xavier Johnson ambushed and fired upon and killed a group of Dallas, Texas police officers. Two civilians were also wounded. He stated in postings that the reason he killed the cops was retribution for the number of times cops have killed African-American men. So he sought out officers to kill who he perceived to be white, and he murdered them in cold blood using semi-automatic weapons, and then went on and, of course, killed himself. Now, that's a big story. Same thing happened in Baton Rouge. Same thing happened with Ramos and Lou, officers in New York City. There is a regular event in our country where police officers are gunned down, not because of the color of their skin, but the color of their uniform, which is blue. What is it in the national consciousness, occasioned by the national media, that causes such utter disrespect for police officers that weak-minded nationalists and other hate-filled individuals, many mentally ill, would take it upon themselves to hunt down officers to kill, to murder, without good reason? I... I I'd like to see media coverage of that event. Tell me why that is going on. And tell me why the president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, would knowingly and willingly repeatedly meet in the Oval Office with representatives of a group who would advocate the murder of those same police officers, Black Lives Matter, Delray McKesson and others. When they march around in Dallas and elsewhere, what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? We want to kill cops. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. What is it? And so when we obsess over the death of Jamal Khashoggi, as CNN and other news organizations are now doing, it's terrible. I guess his fingers were cut off. He was decapitated. He was butchered. Awful. Assad citizen killed in Turkey in the worst way. Give it the mention it needs to do. But the only way the media will focus on a murder is if that murder can be used against Donald J. Trump or Mitt Romney or George Bush or some other Republican. Tell me how this murder, so the murder of Jason Ellis in Bardstown, Kentucky, butchered, murdered on an exit ramp at 2 o'clock in the morning, leaving his wife Amy and two beautiful kids without a husband, without a father. There's no political benefit for CNN. Nothing. They can't can't use it. Same way with uh, the murder of Ramos and Lou in New York City. Or the cops in Dallas and Baton Rouge advocate the murder. Welcome to the White House, a group that advocates the killing of cops. Advocate, get them into the White House. Get the pictures taken with the president. Huh? How's that possible? So when the media obsesses over Jamal Khashoggi, it's done not because his life had more value than officers Ramos and Lou. It's done because they can use that to ask the question, is America complicit? Did the Sods buy some condominiums from Trump? Did the Sods go to a hotel near the White House to give Trump money? It's all this crap in their heads, oozing out, horse manure coming out of their ears, as if this murder has so much more importance than the unsolved murder of police officers inside of America. And it sickens me. All right, let's continue with more. As we continue... My producer, Rich Cement, is going to play the uh, interview I had with the president a couple days ago to talk about national, international issues and more. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Can you smell what I'm cooking? Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. 
Mark Levin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Billy Cunningham, the great American. Let's continue. It's always an honor to do the Mark Levin Show. As you know, Mark is uh, attending to a family member who's had some medical difficulties. Mark will be back with you and I on Monday of next week. But until then, it's always a kick, always a pleasure to have on the President of the United States, uh, Donald J. Trump. I've interviewed him many times over the years, normally when it was selling a book or doing a business deal. And we've established a bit of a friendship. I'm happy to defend that great man and ABC News, George Stephanopoulos, or on CNN. I have a lot of feeling for the President, uh, 45, Donald J. Trump. And uh, uh, Mr. President, before we get too deep into this, I know Melania's playing, had a little bit of difficulty and is doing quite well. So instead of dealing with that, Let's uh, talk about Melania's trip to Africa. How did things go? Well, she's a terrific first lady and a great human being, and she wanted to go and see for herself Africa because we've heard so much about it. Some very good stuff, but some very tough stuff in the sense of the way people live. And she made four stops, and she also went to the pyramids in Egypt, and there was quite something special. But uh, And the poverty is incredible. Yeah. The, the level of poverty uh, it was very sad, uh, beautiful in one way, and very sad in another. The kids were beautiful. They loved her. And she came back and she said, I hope you're going to continue to give a lot of money because they need it. It's not a question of it's not a question of defense. It's not a question of it. It's just it's on a human yeah. basis. They need it. And she had a big impact on me, I will tell you. Uh, Bill, she really had a big impact on me. And the other thing in the Midwest, yeah. I look at Canada and Mexico and South Korea. Millions of jobs have been created. And you were told a year or two ago by Gary Cohn and others that, you know, the Canada deal is probably not going to happen. Mexico's too tough. NAFTA is ingrained. What did you do that caused Canada may not be real happy right now? And Mexico may not be real happy. And then South Korea to kind of play because we're the big dog in the kennel, but they don't treat us that way. What did you do with the trade deal? And we're also the piggy bank that everybody wants to come in and rob. And uh, Mexico, we made a deal, and we told them, look, otherwise we're going to have to just tax your car industry, which would have been bad for them. And frankly, I wouldn't have wanted to do it, but we were going to do it. And we made a deal with Mexico. We could not make a deal with Canada. They just wouldn't make a deal that was fair for us because NAFTA was a total and complete disaster. You know that better than anybody. Awful. You saw what happened over here with Awful. you still have buildings empty where they just everybody moved out. I don't know what they were thinking. So that's why I refused to call it NAFTA. I said the deal we're making, I refuse. 
So we call it the USMCA, and it works good. But uh, we made a great deal with, uh, with everybody. What happened then is Canada came along in the end. We weren't able to make it. I said, we're going to tax your cars coming in. Then what happened? And they made a deal. They made a deal. They made a deal. And it's a deal that we're very happy with. I hope they're very happy with. I hope everybody is. But it's a fair deal for us. And uh, we have now, we just made a deal with South Korea, which is Fabulous. a much uh, a much improved, approved deal. You know, improved. I will say that Hillary Clinton, you remember, she made that deal. And she said it's 250,000 jobs. And she was right for South Korea. So right. they got 250. We didn't get 250. It was a terrible deal. So essentially, we terminated that deal and we made a new deal with South Korea. Mr. So, President, how many jobs are you talking about here? Are we talking about Canada, Mexico. Are we talking about a million. Well, you're talking million? about millions of jobs. Potential. Don't forget, we've opened up countries that were just totally close to us. Right. If you look at Canada, we couldn't sell our dairy product there, and if we did, it was a 300% tariff. People don't talk about that. You know, if I put on a 10% or a 20% tariff, they make a big deal of it. They have 300. Actually, 300%, 275%, 285%. These are the tariffs they charge. So essentially, that's a wall. Because if you have to pay a tariff like that, you can't sell the product. It's right. too expensive. So we've opened up Canada, and we have a very good relationship now. I think they respect us more than they did before. But now at least it's fair, and our farmers are in love with it. You see what's going on. It's beautiful. Now we're working on China, and we're working on the European Union, which have absolutely taken advantage of our country. The European Union has been brutal in the way they took advantage of the United States for many years. I mean, they were formed to take advantage of the United States. That was the reason they were formed. How can we, how can we take from the United States? So the European Union, they formed, and they, uh, they're very unfair to us. They have barriers where we can't sell into their, into, into their countries. They have uh, tremendous tariffs that make it impossible. And yet they sell Mercedes-Benz and BMWs by the millions they come in, the right. millions. And we charge them essentially no tax. It's 2.5%, but for the most part, they don't even nothing. collect it. So we charge them virtually nothing, and they send millions and millions of cars. If we want to send... Uh, a piece of grain, okay? If we want to send a piece of grain, we can't do it into the European Union. So it's unfair. Uh, we met with them. I told them I'm going to start taxing your cars because Obama, they wouldn't even talk to him, right. okay? They said, we're very happy the way we are, and that's, that was it. Obama just went away. And then uh, with us, I said, look, we want to talk. I didn't hear from him. I said, we want to talk. I didn't hear. Third time I said, listen, we're you're serious. not going to call me back, but... I'm going to give you one more chance. And I said, that's okay. I'm going to tax your cars at 25% coming in, which is, frankly, more money. Right. It's devastating to them, but it's more money. And they immediately hopped in a plane and came over and talked. And now they want to make a deal. I, I don't know that we're going to make a deal with them. I can tell you they want to. Sure. But we're going to make it one way or the other. We built the China, way 500 way. billion a year, $5 trillion over 10. We built Shanghai. We built Beijing. At some point, we got to start building America. They got yep. the new airports. We don't have the new airports. They got the new bridges. We don't have the bridges. At some point, our money's got to come back to America. You're so right. So China's been taking out $500 billion a year. People have no idea what that is. Five hundred billion. We have rebuilt China. Can't do it. Anymore. And I have a very good relationship with President Xi, but I said we can't do it. Very simple. We can't do it anymore. We're not going to do it anymore. So we've now put on two hundred and fifty billion dollars worth of tariffs. And by the way, there's been no impact. There's been no, no. effect. No. But what people don't say is that we're taking in billions of dollars in our treasury because right. it's at twenty five percent. So we're taking in billions of dollars, and we have, we're going to create jobs. 
Now, some of these things that we're not buying from China or they become expensive because of the tariffs, they're going to start building these plants here to make the product here, which is the old fashioned way. That's the way we used to do it. So China has been look, China's the biggest of them all by far. It's probably 60 percent of our trade loss. We lost over the last few years an average of eight hundred billion dollars a year on trade. We lose with everybody. Those days are over, Bill. Now, lastly, we have the midterms coming up. One of my favorite movies is Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life. I look at Bedford Falls. Pelosi takes the House. Schumer takes the Senate. Your life becomes miserable the last two years. What do you say to middle-class Americans all over the country that say, you know what, we don't want Bedford Falls the way it looked. We want the new Bedford Falls. What do you say to those who say the midterms, relax, take it easy, not important, Renacy, whether it's Blackburn or Heller? We don't have to worry about that. What do you say to motivate the base? Well, I hope Bernacci is going to do well. First of all, he's a great guy. But I I just say just countrywide, just forget it, countrywide. You have to go out and vote. My poll numbers are so good, but a lot of people say I'm not running, so we're not going to vote. Fifty one percent, Rasmussen. No, we're doing great. And, And then they say you can add a lot to it. Because when people hang up and they say, we don't want to talk to you, that means it's a Trump vote. Right. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's what it means. Uh, we have to do well. I will say, I think we're going to do very well in the Senate. And a lot of things have happened since Justice, now Justice Kavanaugh. Got 15 judges the other day. Got 15 new judges. Many, many judges. And we're going to have 145 judges fairly soon when you think about it. I mean, 145, it'll be close to 50 percent of the whole judiciary, not only two Supreme Court justices. So but that was a very big thing happened over the last couple of weeks with Justice Kavanaugh, because I've rarely seen a person treated so badly. The man of great distinction, a great life. And the way they treated him was horrible. And since that happened, Republicans are looking. So is everybody. They see what's going on. Is that the, the law phones. of unintended consequences? Because in, I've had many women whisper in my ear, you know, Bill, I, I'm with Kavanaugh. They don't want to say it publicly. But if you said in, in a weird sense, Kavanaugh has motivated the Republican base, when otherwise it wouldn't have happened. You've been a great friend of mine, and I appreciate it. You've been a very terrific guy. It's You're easy. also a terrific talent. You know, a lot of people can't do what you do. You know, there's Rush. All I do is talk. Well, there's Rush and about uh, that, not too many. And Sean, as you know, Sean is him. great. But these are great people and great talents. And I appreciate it. No, we have to do well. Uh, I think we're going to do well in the Senate. I think we could pick up some seats in the Senate. And the polls, if you look three weeks ago and you look now, it's like Especially a Blackburn. different picture. Like Blackburn. Well, she she's was down. Up. She was she's 10 up. points down. Now she's four or five points up. Marsha from Tennessee. Almost all of them. Yeah. Now, I don't know how you're doing here. I know it's a tough race, but... Uh, it's unfortunate because he's such a good man. I mean, I don't know. Sherrod Brown's a socialist, but, yeah. you know, he has he's, the, he's a, socialist. a lot of Trump voters are he, voting for Sherrod Brown. Yeah, and he's, he's going around, and a lot of people think he's my best friend in the world. The ads are like Trump ads. He talks well about you. I know. It's amazing, except it's only during this period of time. About after, six weeks. After it's over, so it's one of those things. But I hope it does well, and uh, I hope that Steve does well. I think he's doing well for Congress. Shabbat win. I hear he's doing well, he's so I think that's very important, and I'm here for him. But I just want to thank you for everything you've done, and, and hopefully people are going to realize that this is a very important election. Midterms, I think, frankly, I think people are viewing this as very important. You know, usually midterms are like sleepers. Yeah. People, they are energized. And for those that say that the that the blue is energized, meaning the Democrats, and we're not, I think we're, personally, I think we're more energized. Well, you're not going to believe the energy. Well, we had it in Erie, Pennsylvania the other night. We had 25,000 people outside of a 12,000-seat yeah. arena. It's been amazing. 
And if that kind of, you know, action shows up in three weeks, can you imagine it's just a little more than three you weeks? you got so the energy for the next three weeks because you're like Elvis and uh, Aloha. But you can only move this big equipment so often, right. okay, and Secret Service and all of that. But uh, we're very, very busy, and we're going to the races that are close. We're slightly ahead or slightly behind, and we're making a lot of stops. Mr. President, you're the best. You're a great American. Well, I say that all so the time. You. But you're a great American. Keep doing what you're doing for the voices you don't hear and the faces you don't see. Those people, you're the hero. I was with Reagan in 84 when he came here. I thought Reagan was the star. He was the Rolling Stones. You're the Beatles. Uh, you're you. on the That's Ed so Sullivan nice. Show. Yeah, I'm you. serious about that. But I really do appreciate your support, Bill. You're such an important voice, and you've been with us. And, uh, you know, just say hello to all your people. You have you're, a lot of them. You're a great American. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very President. much. Bill. Thank you. Now, Billy Cunningham, Mr. President, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll do it again. I'm very honored to have you in office, and uh, we're so much better off than we would have been if Hillary Clinton had won. So let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Another issue, and uh, we want to thank the president for coming on. One other issue that uh, I spoke with Rich Semena and Rich Valdez a little bit about earlier, and that is the first lady who, who is a classy woman who's trying to do good things. Melania cannot catch a break from anybody at any point at any time, right? She, the media treats her completely unfairly. And so the last day or two after the president won his uh, federal court case against Michael Avenetti and uh, Stormy Daniels, president used the term horse face to describe Stormy Daniels. And when he did that, the media, especially Brian Seltzer and Tapper and others at CNN, went crazy, melt down over the horse face comment, how awful it was. And this wasn't about a woman. This was about women in general. See, what CNN artfully does is take the comments about one person and generically apply it to everyone in the group because they believe in group rights and group identity. So in this case... Horseface described Stormy Daniels, according to the president. And the media had a virtual meltdown for a day, day and a half on uh, the president using the term horseface to describe Stormy Daniels. Then it came out a couple days ago that T.I., the rapper, is doing an awful video which uh, depicts, uh, depicts Melania Trump as a stripper in the Oval Office. And I saw about three seconds of it. That was it for me. And I'm not going to watch it. However, CNN spent little or no time on the issue that now important rappers are using Melania Trump in a stripper outfit engaged in sexual acts in the Oval Office as if she was working for Bill Clinton. So I'm waiting now for the first ladies that are still alive, like Rosalind Carter or Hillary Clinton or Michelle Obama or Laura Bush to form ranks around Melania Trump and say, this is a bridge too far. You can't sexualize our first lady for commercial benefit and get away with it, which is the late night topics of Colbert and and the Jimmies. You hear it constantly sexualizing, making fun of the brilliant first lady we have, Melania Trump. So how is it worthy of constant unremitting criticism when a porn star is called horseface by the president. But when our first lady is depicted as a stripper engaged in sexual acts in the Oval Office, that somehow that 
is not worthy of being covered and that the other first ladies do not envelop her. In fact, have you seen any efforts by Laura Bush or Hillary Clinton or Michelle Obama to spend time and make more legitimate in the view of the mainstream media? She's legitimate with me. Melania Trump, who's by far the most brilliant first lady we've ever had. She speaks five or six languages. She's wonderful. But the media will not allow her to be the president's wife without sexualizing her, calling her an ignoramus, doesn't speak correctly, doesn't speak the English well enough for Stephen Colbert, who makes fun of her on a constant basis. So if we lived in a fair country with fair media, you know, a media calling balls and strikes, you would have criticisms against those in Hollywood and the entertainment industry who wants to sexualize and make delegitimate and minimize our first lady throughout the world. And you would have the other first ladies, the other flotuses coming together to say, stop it, don't do it. Can you imagine, just think for a moment, if some country star four or five years ago sexualized Michelle Obama and put her in sexy outfits performing sex acts in the Oval Office, Michelle Obama. What do you think the View, Colbert, Hollywood, the New York Times, every big city newspaper, every magazine, if they still exist, websites, would go absolutely crazy? This would be the worst thing in the world to make fun of and sexualize the appearance of Michelle Obama. And it should happen. I want the same behavior that would apply to Michelle Obama to apply to Melania Trump, because they're in the same category, doing the same kinds of good things. I mean, today, uh, earlier today, Melania Trump's plane filled with smoke on her way, I think, to Philadelphia, and she still made the trip. This is a brave, courageous woman who's married to a great president, but the media wants to make delegitimate both, diminish who they are, and make them objects of scorn and ridicule, because it plays well I guess with the audience. There's an audience out there for this. You know, about 50% of the country love the guy and 50% loathe him, hate him. The dislike and the hatred for Bush was nothing compared to this. And so I'm waiting for the hypocrisy to stop and for the news coverage to begin. One more big hour remains. Let's uh, go back to the calls as time allows. We have uh, Amarillo, Texas, been there for about an hour and a half, and New York City and Illinois, and I love Las Vegas, Nevada, and Santa Monica. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Mark Levin will be back on Monday. Bill Cunningham, the great American. In for the great one, Mark Levin. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, let's continue now, and I'm uh, done babbling. Honored to have on the president. We thank him very much. I did that interview a couple days ago in Cincinnati, and uh, to have the president on talking about these issues is always a kick. But uh, before I go to Amarillo in New York City and elsewhere, to give you an example of the mainstream media doesn't call balls and strikes, but takes sides. 
On September the 11th, now there's a date that will live in infamy, 2012. There were certain uh, in Libya militants that overwhelmed the U.S. Uh, mission and killed four Americans. That is Ambassador uh, Stevens, Christopher Stevens was murdered. Management Officer Sean Smith, Diplom- Diplomatic Security Agents uh, Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty. Four of them murdered horribly. And those directly, those were that those were not Saudis living in uh, Turkey or trying to get into Turkey and get a permission to marry. These were actually the United States ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Libya, Christopher Stevens, who allegedly was a personal friend of then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And these are real American heroes that should never have been there in the first place. And that if they were there, they needed protection. They didn't get it. Compare the over the top media coverage of Jamal Khashoggi's death uh, in uh, Turkey compared to the lack of media curiosity with the four Americans, not Saudis, but Americans murdered on September the 11th. Now, there's a clue, Sherlock, 2012. And now the media completely gave Obama a free pass because the election was only eight weeks away, seven weeks away. So they couldn't make it look as if militant Islamists had successfully attacked us on September 11th again with Obama in the White House. So they couldn't use that against Obama. Therefore, they couldn't use it against Hillary. So largely, the media dropped it because it didn't fit their narrative of getting Obama elected over Mitt Romney. They did not want Mitt Romney in the White House. And that event, if it had happened with a like if Trump's in the White House and on September the 11th, somewhere, having been warned, a U.S. consulate is overrun by Islamic extremists and four American heroes are murdered, killed, tortured and killed. Trump would that would be covered as a Trump problem for days, weeks, months, years to come until Trump left office. But because it was Barack Hussein Obama who admitted on MTV the use of hard drugs and other sins and crimes, the media didn't cover that either. And because they had to get him elected over the finish line in 2012, the media quickly dropped the murder, not of one Saudi, but four Americans at Benghazi. Can you see now the duplicity of the mainstream media? Let's continue now. Let's go to uh, John in Amarillo, Texas. Been there for about an hour and a half. John and Amarillo, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by Bill Cunningham. John, go ahead. Bill, I can't believe I got through. Your producer told me to be brief, so I will try to make this as quick as possible. Uh, you've covered a lot of ground, but I, I, I called in at the moment that you were talking about our court systems and right. the risk that is posed to them should the Democrats regain control of the Senate and or the House. Uh, three things. First of all, Pottersville. I'm also a fan of It's a Wonderful Life, and I'm going to get back to my point. And on the wall hanging behind them in the boardroom as George Bailey talks is a sign. <laughs> I, quote, I quote that movie all the time. And you know what it says? No. It says you can't take anything with you which you haven't given away. Great point. And can and, you imagine the Democrats take the Senate... There's no more federal judges. Trump either wins or loses re-election with the Democratic Senate in, 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 20, uh, in 2020. That means for the next four to five to six years, there's no federal judges. There's no legislation. There's no federal appointees. There's no new attorney general. It's over. Think about that. 
I'm following the rules that the producer gave me. <laughs> well, that's it. So, well, John, thanks for your call. Let's move on then. Scott in New York City. Scott in New York City, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Scott, please go ahead. Hey, Bill, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I'm at the game last night, the Ranger game, and yep. uh, on my lapel, on my jacket, I have a, uh, a flag pin. And um, I'm getting compliments now. I'm just walking around uh, in between periods. And I was walking around by myself because I left my buddies up in the box, a skybox. And I'm getting out of nowhere, people are coming up to me. You know, as I'm walking, people are coming my way and going my way. And, you know, I'm getting compliments because I have the, uh, the pin like, <laughs> on my lapel. I mean, men, women, kids, uh, boys, girls. It was it was so gratifying, you know, and and they're telling me, go Trump, go Trump. Can and you I'm believe not, that? But, but that, that those are Ranger Ranger fans are special. I spent five years in New York City at the Hotel Pennsylvania, and I can't tell you how many times I went to a Rangers game and I saw Rangers fans walking down. Uh, 50, I'd say 45, 46th Street. They're going crazy. Ranger fans are special. And so you can go to, with the American flag to a Rangers game and, and be complimented. Imagine if you went to other venues doing the same thing. Oh, my God. And it's so patriotic. It was fantastic. I really had a great time, and I was very proud. Well, no question. And uh, how did the Rangers do last night, by the way? Uh, we won uh, in overtime, thank God. Good. But But the fact is... You know, when I mentioned to Trump that I've had women whisper in my ear, I'm, I'm kind of with Brett Kavanaugh. That there, is a, there is a silent majority of Americans that have had it with mob rule. They can't put up with Republicans getting shot, run off the road, beaten. They can't put up with cars being torched. They can't put up with chased out of restaurants and elevators and airports. There, there, I think there's a sense there's lots of Ranger fans who live in Las Vegas, Nevada, San, uh, uh, all over California and Cincinnati. Rangers fans are everywhere, but they can't get their head up because it's politically incorrect. It's true. But, Bill, what I'm trying to say is, now, with this uh, Kosoji guy, um, I don't think um, anything's going to work with these people anymore. They've gone down so far, the left. They've gone down to the gutter with what they've been doing that even though the president's not running... Uh, there are a lot of people that are coming our way now, and I don't think anything's going to work for them. They're disgusting, and they're vile, and uh, everybody needs to just get out there and vote. And yeah, it's vote. amazing. If, uh, if I think Trump probably got 28% of the vote in New York City, but I'm, I bet among Ranger fans he got 70%. No know? doubt. All right, we got to run, Scott. Thanks for your call. One more quick call, then we'll take a break. Let's go to Kim in, in Illinois. And Kim in Illinois, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by the Great American. Kim, go Hi, ahead. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. You are a Great American. Thank you. Um, I love your show. I listen to you around Cincinnati and here in Illinois. Um, Thank I you. I just want to say something about this Jamal Khashoggi guy. Yeah. Okay, he, I know he's a Saudi citizen, and he's just a USA resident, but my thing is people need to quit listening to the media. They need to check into this guy's history. He joined the Muslim Brotherhood back in the 1970s. He had the same, had the same ideology that, that they have today about, um, you know, bringing it over here to the country. And he worked for the Saudi royal family for years as an editor on one of their papers. So he has a history with this family. And I'm just thinking that, uh, Turkey doesn't like President Trump anyway, so no. 
they I like I'd like to see the uh the stuff they keep saying that they have and I really don't know if I would even trust the information and it happened at the Saudi consulate in Turkey so it should be their investigation right it's and Turkey and, and really the consulate is Saudi Arabian territory really uh, and so but I, I talk about Christopher Stevens was US ambassador to Libya murdered Sean Smith Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty were all American citizens. They weren't, didn't have a green card. And the media largely ignored that in 2012 because it was so injurious to Obama's reelection. If they would have focused on that for the last eight weeks, Mitt Romney would have won. But the media couldn't do that because they wanted to make sure their guy won. Exactly. And I think Americans just need to stop watching what's going on. And frankly, I don't want to see anybody murdered. I don't care if they're from Saudi Arabia, Turkey, wherever, or the USA. Uh, but I just really think that they need to let this play out, let the investigation happen, let Saudi present us the information. I'm Whatever sure it is. on it. So yeah. I just hey. want to say, and everybody get out to vote, because we have a great president, and I back him a thousand percent, and we have to keep the House and the Senate, and we have to help our president, because he's, he's been under fire for three years oh. now. About. Kim, thank you very much for your call. We continue. And just to put a sharper point on this thing, that it's almost impossible today to receive objective information from the mainstream media, that they should call balls and strikes. They're the only business in America that the First Amendment protects. The Constitution protects one business in America. That is the the freedom of the press. And so when the press is protected by the by the U.S. Constitution, with rights go responsibilities. There's great responsibilities to use objectivity in reporting to the American people the information upon which they cast ballots. That's why it's there, so that the press and a free press can objectively inform the electorate as to facts over which they have no control or nor understand, to gather that information, to objectively present it so that we can change government. We can go some other direction. We can say, you know what, that's not right. But I can't trust ABC, NBC, CBS, the Washington Post, the New York Times, Hollywood. I can't trust universities, colleges, late night television shows to give me objective information upon which I can cast an informed ballot. I love listening to Mark Levin or to Rush or to Sean or to Laura. Fox News is getting a bit liberal. I love CRTV. It's wonderful. I watch it. I receive information that either confirms my viewpoint or leads me in a different direction that I can rely upon. I can't rely upon CNN giving me anything objective because they're in the business of destroying Donald J. Trump. They want Trump out of office. Then they're going to destroy Pence. And Pence, God bless him, nice guy, former radio talk show host, Indiana, know him, WIBC in Indianapolis, nice guy. But he's not a rock star. When you're in the presence of the president... This is a rock star. And, Kim, we got to go. Thanks for your call. All right, let's continue. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. We have two lines open if you call now. And uh, Mark Levin, the great one, will be back on Monday as, as a family member having some health difficulties. And, by the way, his daddy, Jack Levin, has a book out October the 30th called Our Police. It's a children's book that you can pre-order at Amazon, 30% off. And uh, Amazon Our Police by Jack Levin, uh, Mark's dad. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin.
night that Natalie Mayflower Edwards, 40 years old, Natalie Mayflower Edwards, 40, a senior official at the Treasury Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, is now accused of illegally giving a reporter bank reports documenting several suspicious financial transactions involving Paul Manafort and Richard Gates. This is the deep state leaking information. She was caught red-handed with the uh, with a hard drive, uh, flash drive in her hand, giving out illegally committing felonies information to a reporter. And God bless the government for catching this thief. Let's continue with more. We have Tom in Santa Monica, California, then J.D. in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, Tom, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by the great American Bill Cunningham. And Tom, please go ahead. Hey, Bill, you're an awesome host here. Thank you. Um, you know, we, we, I mean, Americans are winning on every every single yep. front with President Trump. Um, so, so why are we getting this negative messaging about Republicans losing the House? I mean, are the polls wrong? Because yeah. we, Republicans <laughs> go again, you know, through this emotional roller coaster. And I'm just wondering what you know what your thoughts are on this. Well, how accurate were the polls? The greatest polling in the world was done in 2016. Dozens of polls, all the experts. All the pundits. It was a done deal. And I'll tell you a little story. I had on Election Day itself on my local radio show in Cincinnati, Donald Trump Jr., like a 206 scheduled to come on. He, he called in about 202. And over the over the year, month, months, I had him on several times. And, and Jr. says to me, you know, my nickname's Willie. He said, Willie, uh, we could have won this thing. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we never had Kasich in Ohio. We never had Rubio and Bush in Florida. Never had Walker in Wisconsin. We couldn't get Biden in Michigan. But, you know, we could have won this thing. And so the Trump campaign believed on Election Day they were going to lose because they paid more attention to the polls than to the crowds. And when you talk to the president, he'll tell you that he went to Michigan like at 1 a.m. in the morning on Election Day morning. And it was packed with 30,000 people. Everywhere Trump went, and I, I'm in a state, Ohio, uh, unlike your state, th- there's a presidential campaign in Ohio every year that's really unbelievable. So I saw all the ads. I saw the commercials. Uh, Hillary came through. Trump came through. And there, were, there was no comparison to the excitement that Trump caused as opposed to Hillary. So all the polling in Ohio had Hillary winning 5 to 10 percentage points. How'd that turn out? Uh-huh. Well, I know this time that, you know, we have a huge turnaround in the House, I guess 40 seats. But, uh, yeah, no, 23. The- there's 23 seats. The Republicans have a 23 seat advantage. Right. I mean, we're an amazing winning streak, America. And I think, uh, you know, the, the Republicans shouldn't listen to this negative messaging and just get out there and say, yeah, we're going to win both the House and the Senate, no problem. Well, if you're a Democrat, what are you running on in this cycle? What, what is the positive issue the Democratic Party has to coerce voters to come to their? Well, what, what does the Democratic Party stand for in a positive way? Crickets. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I don't. I don't know uh, one uh, thing. Give me. Give me something. Yeah, give me something. Uh, they're part of the resistance. They stand for nothing positive. It's all negative. And are you better off today than you were two years ago? Oh, you betcha. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Stock market, jobs, American military. When I'm with the Secret Service around Trump, 
Those guys love the president. And you're not, they're not going to talk to me. One, nothing good, nothing bad. But you can tell through body language. Cops love them. Soldiers love them. Firefighters love them. Middle class, blue collar types love them. Trump is a lovable character in person. And Hillary Clinton was simply unlikable. And I don't know who's the head of the Democratic Party. You know, Tom, who's in charge of the Democrat Party? Nancy Pelosi? Bernie Sanders? Who? Ellison? Who? I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody. Including the Democrats. Tom, thank you for your call. Let's continue with more. Coming up next are calls from Las Vegas and San Francisco and Glendale and Phoenix. If line ever becomes available, which it never does, the number to call is 877-381-3811. Mark's uh, dad's book, Jack Levin, is coming out October the 30th. It's called Our Police. Our Police. May order through uh, Amazon now by October 30th with 30% off. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. Billy Cunningham, the great American, I want to share with you some of the headlines from the mainstream media about Elizabeth Warren, good friend of Rich Cementas, Elizabeth Warren. ABC News said this on Monday. Elizabeth Warren reveals proof of Native American ancestry. How about that headline? How about the AP, supposedly objective, independent, the AP, quote, Warren DNA shows Native American heritage. How about CNN? You'll love this one. This is as of Monday. Elizabeth Warren, you know, Pocahontas, quote, Elizabeth Warren releases DNA tests with strong evidence of Native American ancestry. BBC, Elizabeth Warren DNA tests find strong evidence of Native American blood. That strong evidence amounts to something less than 0.1%. In reality, she is less Native American blood than the typical so-called white American has Native American blood. It's unbelievable. And uh, how about the, the Daily Beast on Monday? Quote, breaking news. Elizabeth Warren releases her DNA test. Yes, she is Native American. How about that? Boston Globe, her hometown newspaper. Quote, Warren reveals test confirming ancestry. NBC News. The Nobody But Clinton Network, NBC News, quote, Elizabeth Warren releases DNA results indicating she has Native American heritage. When you break down the numbers, the testing that this person did involved samples from Colombia and Peru, not from America, and that she has something less than 0.1% Native American blood that she played for decades as a minority to make money. And so it's amazing to me how the media covers for those protected inside the progressive tribe. If you're part of the group and you're Louis Farrakhan using hate speech against Jews, Twitter will not ban you. If you're in the group like Barack Hussein Obama and you admit in the presidency using drugs, committing felonies, it's no big story at all. But if you're outside the group and your name is Brett Kavanaugh, And when you were 15 years old, you drank beer or had some posting in your yearbook. My God, that's a big story. So Clinton in office as president, drugs, no problem. Brett Kavanaugh drank beer, yearbook entries when he was 15, major, major problems. 
And so I look at the hypocrisy of uh, what's happening now in Turkey with uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Major story, trying to find the Trump connection, using a club against that good man constantly. But four heroes die in Benghazi with uh, Clinton in charge, her personal friend, Ambassador Stevens. Obama's running for re-election, no big deal. Americans murdered, Benghazi, no big deal. Assad is killed in Turkey, Trump in the White House, huge deal. Let's continue with your calls. Thousands on hold, millions are listening. Let's go to J.D. in Las Vegas, Nevada. J.D., welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by The Great American. J.D., please go ahead. Thank you, Billy. It's a pleasure to have you in for The Great American that uh, you're, you're helping out tonight. Because well, Mark Levin is special to me. You know, I've said this before, J.D., there's only one talk show host in America that I change my travel plans based upon when he's on the air to make sure I can listen, and that's Mark Levin. God bless you. Me too. Hey, uh, that Trump interview with the president, President Trump and you, it came across over the phone that he respects you quite a bit. It was a great interview. In regard to this uh, uh, Saudi uh, journalist from the Washington Post, uh, I I hear constantly on the media, he is portrayed as a journalist uh, from the Washington Post inferring that he's an American citizen. And this is just trying to prove that Trump doesn't care about journalists, and uh, he, he, he kisses up to the Saudis. It's, these are people that have been helping us fight terrorists for years. Uh, under Obama, he had red lines, and ISIS was uh, a JV team. It took a Trump uh, one year to get rid of ISIS. You don't hear about that in the news anymore. Of course you not. Don't? No, because it doesn't fit. How long did Obama deal with ISIS? Eight years. And now, and Trump got rid of them in one year. How big of a story was that? Uh, just a blip on the radar for one day. Now, let me ask you this. Was Ambassador Christopher Stevens an American? Uh, yes, in Benghazi? Uh, how, how about security? Right they were All four. You know, they're protecting Obama and Hillary. Yeah. Billy, you have something in your backyard. Uh, Columbus Day, uh, your mayor out there, uh, decided unilaterally, I guess, uh, right. to change a federal holiday uh, and and uh, uh, and diss all the Italian-Americans. I have a suggestion. Why don't he rename Columbus, Ohio, Pocahontas, Ohio? Well, you and- know, all over the country, you are getting rid because of political correctness. That somehow Columbus, Columbus did discover a place with 10 million people. However, that was the spark that caused European immigration into America that began the process hundreds of years later in creating the United States of America, who is God's representative on earth. The spark, it's celebrating the Italian people. He flew under a Portuguese flag paid for by the Spanish, and he was an Italian, but he came here, and that began the process of colonizing the greatest country in the world. And what's wrong with that? Uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, want to, they don't want to recognize it anymore. And finally, if I may, Billy, uh, you know, it's going to take, in uh, uh, the words of a mutual friend, all hands on deck, our buddy Columbus <laughs> Dave, all hands on deck. I'm a poll watcher. And I go out and I vote. We start early voting, uh, which I hate because uh, there's too many opportunities for shenanigans. But 
I ask and I implore all of your listeners on Mark Levin's show, on your Sunday show that I listen to religiously, as you know, uh, to go out and be a poll watcher, even if it's only for the day you vote. Walk up to the, the head honcho of that election site. Identify yourself as a Republican poll watcher. Even if you can only stay a couple hours and then sneak out of there, don't let them know you're leaving, because it would give them the knowledge that we are there, we are watching them, and that's what we need to do. In reference to our election here, Senator Heller went up two days ago from plus two right. points ahead to right. plus seven points ahead. I would love to see you guys in Ohio go after that Sherrod Brown, who's a wife beater, a socialist, and uh, you heard the president, he's bucking up to him, you know, with the sure. trade deals. Sure. I don't understand how the good people of the Buckeye State uh, voted for President Trump by eight or nine points and keep electing this phony baloney Sherrod Brown. Please get him out. J.D., let me ask you this. You live in Nevada. I live in Ohio. Unlike many states, we actually have political races in Nevada and Ohio. Trump won Ohio by nine percentage points. The last poll done by the, quote, Ohio poll in 2016 had Hillary winning by six percentage points. They missed it by 15 points. And I don't trust the polling in Nevada that has Heller up because I don't know what in the hell the feckless one Harry Reid's going to do with all the casino workers in, in Las Vegas and what the hell the buses are going to look like on Election Day. Well, you got that right, and you're going, you got a good memory. You're going back to 2010 when he got elected by busing 47,000 uh, casino workers from the MGM Grand, the head of the MGM Grand, Jim Murin, with a box lunch and a piece of paper, a flyer, uh, making them vote. I still don't understand to this day how they all voted at the same voting place. Uh, normally, you vote where you live. Everybody has a different no. voting precinct. Uh, that was so dirty. And I don't understand. Rush Limbaugh yesterday made a throwaway line, and he didn't follow up on it, where there are three and a half million registered voters in this country, more than the population of voters in this country. So uh, I don't know if there's three and a half million uh, illegals wandering around, but we have to be careful of it. And now they're trying on the ballot here to pass another automatic voter registration oh. by the DMV. California oh. did it, and oh. there are 20, 25,000 people they already admitted that are not legal. So just think, there's 14 states, I believe, that have this, and we just have to... You know, keep an eye on the ball, and I just hope we get through this midterm. I think my prediction, Billy, and mark it down when we talk further. We're going to win five to six Senate seats. We'll be 56 to 57. The House, I think it's a crapshoot. Being in Las Vegas, it could go either way. We could be ahead by one or two or behind by one or two, but at least it's not veto-proof. Do not believe the polls, J.D. Do not believe the polls. We have to run through the finish line. we got to work. The country's at stake. The uh, impeachment's at stake. The judges are at stake. Illegal immigration is on the ballot. Taxes are on the ballot. Trump's uh, sufficiency as the president remains on the ballot. J.D., we got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's continue with more calls from California, Arizona. Ohio and all places in between. By the way, Mark Levin, the great one, will be back on Monday. He's had a family member with some uh, 
medical issues that hopefully will be resolved by Monday. He'll be back with you on Monday. And if you can take time to go to Amazon, Our Police is a children's book put together by uh, Jack Levin, his dad. It's going to be released October 30th. You can buy with a 30% discount, though, by going to Amazon.com. So let's continue with more. 45 minutes after the hour, Bill Cunningham, the great American. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Back to your calls that I have uh, loved taking tonight. Some of the most literate audiences in radio is the Mark Levin Show because of the strength of his affiliates and the and the reach of his his intellect. And we have calls from all over the country, including San Francisco. And Chris in San Francisco, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. And Chris, please go ahead. Um, hi, uh, you are incredibly articulate, and it is a joy to listen to you. You get a God, lot of information in very fluidly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but what I'd like to say is, you know, I keep hearing about the, the media lying, and that's all we get is their information. They, you know, they're dominating the news surface. They're all liars. Well, why don't we get more stations than Fox and get a bunch of competing conservative stations? Because I keep hearing people call in and say, well, I don't have a conservative station where I live. What, what, well, what CR, you got to go on. How about CRTV? Uh, you check CRTV. You can check Newsmax.com, One American Network. Got to check with your cable company. I think CRTV does a great job. Fox, I can't watch Shepard Smith in the afternoon. If I want to watch that crap, I'll watch MSNBC. So I can't watch Shepard Smith. There's parts of Fox that I can't watch. Uh, I love Hannity. I watch him. Laura, no problem. Carlson, no problem. I love watching Mark on Sunday night. But there's there's parks of Fox that that I can't watch, and it's because if I want to watch Shepard Smith's crap, I'll watch MSNBC instead. I might as well get the true thing. But but uh, I, and I worry about Fox long term because uh, of the drift of what it's doing, and it concerns me. But I, I I like more information, not less. When I I tell you what I do, Chris, I get up and, and I check out uh, Drudge Report, Newsmax.com. I check Mark Levin's website. I go to Daily Caller. I go to Daily Wire. Uh, and I check out Fox. And I go to those six at redstate.com is pretty good. I check out those seven or eight. And I feel fairly well informed to start my day. And then throughout the day, I check those websites for information. I, I can't pay attention to the so-called mainstream media. It's too much for me. I, I can't watch it. It drives me nuts. But but I think there's information out there, but you have to be a little more proactive in finding it. And if you watch CRTV.com and, and you, Newsmax, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, Drudge Report, I think you're good to go. I agree, except what I'm referring to is the mainstream media where people oh. don't have the intelligence and the, they don't go to that effort because they're, they're on the fence. They don't look right. for conservative news. We need to get out there and be a competing like the local news and right. the mainstream media. We need to get in there. You know, Chris, I'd I tell you what would happen. Money controls everything. If CBS or ABC said... From top to bottom, from the top of the tree through the root system, we're going to have conservative viewpoints on all of our uh, channels. Can you imagine the ratings skyrocketing, 
say it's CBS News, if they determine they're going to do television, much like One America's Network or Newsmax or CRTV, if CBS would say we're going to cover news objectively, moderate to the right side of things, wouldn't they make billions of dollars? Because you can't, NBC, ABC, and CBS is the same newscast every night at 6.30. If one of them would go against the fracas and reflect the values, the wants, and the whims, and the wishes of the majority of the American people, wouldn't we be better off, and wouldn't they make a lot of money? Yeah, well, where are the people that are being proactive enough to do that, to get I, into the mainstream? Because yeah. these radio shows and these TV places are preaching to the choir. We need to change minds. Like, Trump is starting to go out and go on these mainstream media yes. things because yes. he knows he's got to go there. Yes, and, and it's okay to come... And beyond with me, it's okay to do Fox or do my friend Sean Hannity. Now, Mark Levin may get him on on a Sunday night on Fox on the radio. But but he needs to go out. And this guy is wonderful. The 60 Minutes interview, he took Leslie Stahl apart on Sunday. I thought it was fabulous. And he's he's his own best. The guy's amazing. In his presence, he looks to be 50 and not 70. In his presence... You know, it's like it's like being with Elvis in 1968 in, in Hawaii. It's like the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. It's like Beyonce at MetLife Stadium. This is a superstar. When you get in the presence of Trump, it's like the Messiah. It's it's unbelievable, and I've never seen this in politics. I wasn't old enough during the Kennedy era. Ronald Reagan, yes, I went to a Reagan rally in 1984. Pretty good. But there's nothing in politics that equals a Trump rally. And that's why he can go to Montana, Iowa, Erie, Pennsylvania, Cincinnati, Georgia, Florida. He can go anywhere and draw one hell of a crowd. I wonder what would happen if the Trumpster went to Central Park in New York City. I wonder what that would be like. I wouldn't put it past him. He took that stall apart. You know, she she was uh, blurring by the end. Stupid. You know, uh, and this is off the subject, but I, there's some real irony in Menendez because they're starting, they're accusing him of going after young prostitutes, his, his competitor. And boy, is he whining about how unfair it is. It's cracking me up. I tell, I tell you what's unfair, Chris, is when you picture our first lady as a stripper engaging in sex acts in the Oval Office and the mainstream media doesn't care about it and the other flotuses don't gather around Melania to protect her. Can you imagine if Michelle Obama was pictured in a uh, video performing sex acts in the Oval Office? What would the media do to the person that did that to Michelle Obama? Well, where's the outcry? There's none. There, because it's Trump. It's Mrs. Trump that that no outrage is sufficient to cause criticism as long as it's Trump. Well, look, we got to go. Chris, thanks for your call. I want to thank once again Rich Semena and Rick uh, Valdez for uh, allowing me to host the Mark Levin show tonight. Uh, and we got other guest hosts on Thursday and Friday. Mark will be back uh, on Monday. He's had a bit of a family medical issue. He's going to get resolved. And it's not him. It's a family member. And he'll be back with you uh, on uh, Monday night. I've enjoyed this greatly. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levine.